Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip, two sides of a coin. Trey, heads or tails? All right. Let's go with heads. It's heads. Give me the damn ball. Let's go. You going to score? I'm going to try. All right. Uh, Thursday night game coming up. We got the Ravens and the Bucks. The Buccaneers coming off that loss to the Panthers. Um, we're going to do a dynasty toss-up here. We got two wide receivers. Who would you rather have, Rashad Bateman or Chris Godwin? Ugh, man. If you had to ask me before the season, I think I probably would have said Godwin. And I don't think anything has changed over the first uh, two months of the season. So yeah, I'll stick with Godwin. And it, it hurts to say because I've been a longtime Bateman fan, but he's just not commanding enough uh, volume in that offense. So yeah, I'll take uh, Chris. Praise be to Chris Godwin. Tarek, defend your guy Bateman. Uh, I refuse to defend <laughs> Bateman here. Um, this is one of those coin tosses where I'm just not even going to entertain the other side. Since uh, Chris Godwin came back, uh, he played 83% of the snaps in week four, got 10 targets, uh, just over 50% in week five, got six targets. And then in the last two weeks, 12 targets and 13 targets. This is wide receiver one usage and both offenses currently disappointing. Um, I think Chris Godwin has a long career of proving to us that when he is healthy, he is an elite receiver. And Bateman has like two big plays, and that's about it. Um, so, yeah, it's not close. Look at that vigorous, enthusiastic agreement. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Tarek, angry Tarek off the rip. I love it. You know, yeah. Bateman's hitched to Lamar, and that's... Probably the only plus that I can think here. I, I know uh, in Keep Trade Cut and the rankings, they are very, very close. So, you know, I, I'm kind of surprised to see the consensus here, but I'm with you guys. Sorry for the lame coin toss. Something's Something's got to give on this uh, Bucks offense, man, because, I mean, they have just been awful uh, through the first half of the year. And I don't know if it's just like O-line or, or what, but they just cannot figure it out. Yeah, I think it's a combination of offensive line. I think Bruce Arians play, uh, calling plays uh, last year and, and the year before. He's no longer. He's in the front office now. I think that's part of it. For sure. I'm. I haven't. I wasn't able to like watch uh, the game, the Bucks game this past week uh, when they got blown out by the Panthers. Um, so I'm not sure if it's like a Brady thing. Uh, I, I need to like go back and, and see, but. It's certainly disappointing. Man, if Mike Evans just catches that damn ball, that game probably turns mm -hmm. out a lot differently. Yeah, that was a team effort in the loss there. Everybody had a case of the dropsies. Brady was throwing it too high a lot. Like, it was just not... They looked very undisciplined, that game, so... Who you guys think uh, wins Thursday night? Mm, um... I, I think the Ravens, I think the Ravens overall are like a better team and, and they've been in a little bit of an offensive funk recently. Um, is this in Tampa Bay? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think so. And all right, well, then maybe not. I don't know. I think the Ravens are like one and a half point favorites. So yeah, I guess give me it's the not Ravens too hot. Too hot of a take for me to take that Ravens money line, but we'll see. I'll take the Bucks. I say they bounce back. Probably having a... a they're, you know, the, the announcer kept saying, this is the low point of Tom Brady's career here in uh, Tampa Bay. And it it, it kind of is. You know, maybe this is the turning point for him. They've hit that bottom. Bikini bottom. Under the sea. 
What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Benshwia, and with me today, Trey Cryan and Mitch Yates. Trey, What's going on, man? We got another uh, another week of NFL carnage, another week of some might say subpar NFL action. Uh, been kind of a slog this year. It has been a slog this year. I think you sent a, a tweet over earlier saying this was like by far the least amount of offensive points scored in a uh, NFL season up to this point over like the last decade. Yeah, so, since like uh, 2006 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so if it feels like uh, fantasy points are hard to come by, uh, you're not alone uh brave listener uh we're all uh slogging through this together we're running through the muck mitch well you know who's not running through the muck that's my my little brother jordan Curley doing work there uh big 43 yard reception last weekend and uh got a touchdown too so uh he's coming back healthy man and it's good to see it and that was against cincinnati right they were a playoff sure was. Team last year mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome Love to see it. Shout out Jordan Curley. Tune into those SMU Mustangs if you want to see some TLG family playing uh, on the field. Number one for SMU. All right, guys, uh, let's get into this episode. Uh, first, we'll do a couple of headlines uh, that you know since that happened since last week. Uh, first one got to be probably the biggest headline of the season is Christian McCaffrey, aka White Jesus to the San Francisco 49ers going back to the Bay Area where he played college ball. Um, CMC, uh, in his first game uh, against the Chiefs in that blowout loss, uh, 28% of snaps, 10 total opportunities. So, you know, to be expected, kind of uh, incorporating into the offense slowly. But, uh, Trey, what do you think about CMC on the 49ers? Well, Definitely happy he uh, made it out of Carolina. I think it's uh, probably better for all parties here that he's uh, uh, leaving that um, uh, flaming dumpster fire there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm a little bit worried about uh, like the the crutch argument here. You know, too many mouths to feed in uh, in San Francisco between you know McCaffrey's value and the other uh, fantasy relevant guys in that offense. And of course, you know, I don't really believe in Jimmy G being able to. Uh, um, you know, raise all boats here or, or whatever. But um, yeah, I think CMC is, he's still going to eat. Like, I think he's uh, going to, you know, take a week or two to kind of figure out the offense, but you don't trade those kind of draft picks not to get max value out of uh, this kind of guy. I think 49ers are gearing up for a Super Bowl run and uh, they see him as a key part of that. Yeah, Jimmy G might not raise all the boats, but I think Christian McCaffrey raises all the sails for the rest of that offense. I think that uh, this might help with Kittle getting open more and just kind of pulling in the defenders closer to the line of scrimmage. And, you know, as for him, I think that he will get less carries probably uh, than he was in Carolina, but I think that they will be higher value touches probably. I think that's pretty safe. Yeah, yeah, definitely yes. higher value. So you know, but I do think that they're going to work in um, Elijah Mitchell when he gets healthy, and uh, like a little tiny bit of Jeff Wilson Jr. too. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. But I'm not panicking if I'm a McCaffrey manager. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I'm not sure I'm ready to say that like 15 to 20 opportunities in the San Francisco offense equals 25 to 30 in the Carolina offense. Um, but I, I think we can very safely assume that the, the, the touches will, you know, return more points per touch uh, in that Shanahan running scheme. Let's just hope that CMC is not as vulnerable to those soft tissue injuries oh, the turf uh, monster. that all the other shanahan running backs are um so yeah trey like does this move cmc up or down your rankings at all is he kind of is it kind of a wait and see yeah it's a wait and see it this doesn't really move it too much one way or the other i i worry a little bit about how much uh pass volume he's going to get in that offense because they traditionally have not peppered the running backs with targets in that offense but they also traditionally haven't had christian mccaffrey to throw to so We'll see how that shapes up. I think there might be the tiniest of buy windows here if he has another like slowish game next week and then he'll be entering his bye week. So, you know, it might be in the manager's mind that it might be time to pivot if he has another slow go. So maybe not, but worth looking into. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's worth putting out an offer uh, if for whatever reason somebody's worried about the total touch ceiling or something. Okay, so other big news over the weekend and much more somber news is Brees Hall, <sighs> rookie sensation for the New York Jets, the running back. Uh, looks like he tore his ACL in that game against the Broncos. Uh, huge bummer. Uh, biggest bummer since Javante Williams tore his knee up. Um, so, Mitch, I mean, what? How? how are you feeling in the wake of this and what do we do? God damn it. That's how I'm feeling, man. Um, what do we do? If you have them, don't give them away for an injury discount. Just don't do it. Hang on tight. And if you don't have them, I mean, yeah, knock on some doors. But I, I think this is a pretty safe hold here. He looked amazing. Um, he he was the heart and soul of that offense there. So, you know, I expect him to come back next year and pick up where he left off. This kind of opens up a different opportunity with uh, Michael Carter. And I think this opens a good trade window for him. I think you can get rid of him for, well, well let's see. Let's see how he does the next couple of weeks. But I'd be looking to move Carter at some point this year. Yeah, just focusing on Brees Hall here. I mean, um, I am starting to worry a little bit about the overall timeline that it takes some of these running backs to really come back to like full force after a, a full ACL tier. Uh, we saw it with Saquon Barkley. I mean, he had like a very, very serious injury. He wasn't right mm. for, you know, two full seasons. J.K. Dobbins has, you know, come back a year later. He's not right yet. I I'm just looking at Brees Hall, and I don't expect him to pop the same way we saw through the first half of the year immediately in 2023. But it's just something to be mindful of that maybe the timeline isn't exactly a 12-month recovery like we, you know, claimed it was over the last uh few months talking about these guys okay so let's try to do a little bit of price check on Brees hall knowing you know that the injury that we face and that it might be a year and a half before we see him back to full strength as trey was saying uh what about like Brees hall and an earl or for an early 2023 first like you see it's going to be a top five pick in 2023 are you taking the first or you or are you keeping Brees hall I think you take the first because if that's Bijan or one of those quarterbacks, then I mean, that's just a, a lottery ticket, you know? 
Yeah. I mean, and also with the first, it's not just what it could be per a lottery ticket, but it could also be a pretty good liquidity for your team in terms of giving you flexibility. Yep. Uh, Mitch, what about like Brees Hall or Chris Olave? Mm, good question. Uh, I I guess Olave. I, Smash. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think. Yeah. I think it has to be Olave. But. You know, I, I'm not so confident in the, the first round pick, though. Uh, I think I'd still hold. Now, if it were a top three, maybe that's what it's going to take for me to move Brees. But, you know, top five, top six, probably holding Brees. Okay. All right. And really quick, moving on uh, from Brees, uh, we had like a trio of injuries to some really productive wide receivers. Mike Williams got a high ankle sprain. Looks like he's going to miss some time. DK, DK Metcalf looks like he escaped a serious knee injury. It's just kind of like a, a a slight patella injury. Looks like it could only be a couple weeks. And then Amon Ross St. Brown left the game uh, with a concussion. So, Mitch, out of all three of these injuries, is it opening any opportunities for you in terms of making a move in Dynasty? I've been trying for DK in every league that I don't have him. And if this opens up a door for DK, that's the one I'm pursuing. Um, I, I mean, obviously, if I can get him on Ross St. Brown, but I don't think the concussion is going to lend any sort of injury discount. I agree with you, man. I yeah. think DK Metcalf's a big buy right now. Okay. And Mike Williams had been really productive with Keenan Allen missing time over the last few weeks. Uh, he was on his way to another really great game on Sunday. High ankle sprain. Uh, I don't hate the idea of buying Mike Williams for like a second or something like that to help you in your playoff push. Although those high ankle sprains can be pretty uh, scary in terms of getting like kind of hitting the ground running. Yeah, I'd do a second for sure. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay. okay, I think it's possible. He is a little bit older. Um, all right, let's kick off this first half. And we're kind of getting back to a normal cadence here in which... Uh, each of us is going to give two insights coming out of the week seven slate. Uh, and these insights are geared toward gaining an edge on your league mates in your dynasty leagues. So Mitch, let's kick it to you first. What is kind of the most important thing or one of the most important things you saw coming out of week seven? Yeah, it's it's time to talk about the number 10 quarterback in fantasy football. The number two rushing quarterback with 343 yards. Number three in rushing attempts. And guys, I'm obviously talking about Daniel Jones. Uh, Dayball and the Giants are 6-1, and one, and Danny fucking Dimes is doing some very unexpected heavy lifting for your roster. Uh, especially if you're going into the season expecting him to be your quarterback two or your quarterback three. Uh, Keep Trade Cut has old Dimesworth still at quarterback 19. And that signals to me that the market doesn't really believe in all of this. So, uh, I mean, the Giants didn't pick up his fifth year out option after all so he looked shaky early in his career and you know there are some negatives here he's number 34 in air yards per attempt and he's only had eight deep ball attempts through these five games before last game but there are also some convincing reasons to think he might be finally figuring things out he's number four in accuracy rating number three in true completion percentage number five in accuracy rating versus man and number nine versus zone and his wide receivers have been doing a lot of ain't shit this year. So I think this presents both a great buy window and a sell window. So if you're selling, I would be looking maybe to pair him with a second and target Dak Prescott. 
or perhaps that there's a trade partner out there that was expecting more from their Matt Stafford share or uh, Matty Ice share, who has been officially benched for the rest of the season, or maybe your Tannehill share. So you could probably sell them for two twos as well. If you're buying, I would also pay that price. I would pay two twos for Dan, uh, for Daniel Jones. And uh, maybe this is how you trade away David Montgomery as well. Um, this might be your ticket. Michael Carter, and we just talked about him. Clyde Edwards-Elaire. I think all of these guys would be uh, a great way to finally be able to move these players and get that quarterback, like high-end quarterback two, low-end quarterback one production out of a guy that is kind of crushing it right now. He had over 100 yards rushing last game, guys. Yeah, I mean, I think he can slot into your super flex position really nicely on a contender. Or, you know, if, you ha- if you're if you really deep, he can slide into that QB3 spot and kind of play matchups as well. Um, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll kick it to Trey really quickly here. I will just say, I think like, I think this is Brian Dayball. And I think like the statistical narrative that you played out for us, Mitch, really shows how good of a coach Brian Dayball is Mm -hmm. because he knows that Daniel Jones is not Josh Allen, right? So he's not creating an offense in which Daniel Jones is going to uncork the ball like he saw Josh Allen could with the Bills. Instead, he's creating a very safe game plan for him with these very kind of short area routes with Wandale Robinson and Richie James, you know, where get it five yards down the field and and see what happens afterwards. And then, yeah, that that rushing floor. Right. Um, so I, I, I agree with what you're saying here. I think, you know, getting him on your super flex team, I think for me, I would maybe think about like a Justin Fields sell for Daniel Jones and a second or something like that. Right. Cash mm-hmm. in on that first round pick name value from Justin Fields. Maybe you sell like Trey Lance for Daniel Jones in two seconds or something like that. I kind of like moving off a younger perceived upside guy for the guaranteed kind of proven production in Daniel Jones and some additional draft capital on top to kind of offset the upside that you might be sacrificing. So you're on board. You're on the uh, the, yeah. da- the Danny I'm Dimes Express. How about you, Trey? I mean, what we what we said on the top of the show, Trey, is that this has been a rough year for like quarterback play for NFL production in general. And I think, I think this is bearing out with Daniel Jones, borderline quarterback one. Yeah. I think what we're seeing here is, you know, this is essentially the, uh, the cream of the uh, crop of all of the other guys, you know, like there's, there's tiers when it comes to our quarterback ranks. And then at the bottom of the quarterback ranks is like, okay, I think this is a guy that's in his last year of his deal. He's playing for his job. And, you know, Daniel Jones by far out of like that group of guys is playing the best right now. You know, other guys in that tier are probably like Jameis Winston, Geno Smith, Marcus Mariota. Like none of these guys we really believe are going to be a long-term starter for their team. Jared Goff, you know, going forward, right? So if you believe this is kind of like a one-year rental, then yeah, I mean, he is kind of like the best of the rest when it comes to that tier. I think though, I I, I don't see really much reason that he would be a one-year rental anymore. Because the Giants are playing themselves right out of a draft pick for a quarterback. Like, this team is winning games, and I don't know if they're going to even, A, want to replace him, or B, be able to replace him next year. So, you know, I think this goes beyond this year. What What's his contract situation? Is it, did, it's did his they last decline? year. They did they decline declined it. his fifth-year option, right? right? So... 
it's kind of a Trubisky situation potentially where he could either stay with the Giants on like a relatively inexpensive deal kind of pending how he plays or he could move on to a, a different situation. Um, but it, it, it kind of seems like he's playing his way or at least safely walking his way into like a starting gig somewhere. And I like whether that's a place like Atlanta or somewhere that else that has like an unstable quarterback situation. But I would say it's a, it's a reasonably safe bet that in 2023 he's he's starting for a team. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. It's I'm, not a sure thing. Yeah. I'm a little bit less convinced of the idea that that that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not a sure thing. I think there's like there's levels of risk to it. Right. Like a guy like um, for I don't know, Derek Carr, like we're very confident it's going to be starting next year. Like Daniel Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo, these other guys I already mentioned. Like, I, I mean, yes, he's playing well. The team is winning, but they're not having him throw it downfield for a reason. And that's because they know he's limited talent wise and they're trying to play to his strengths. Let's let's focus back on this year then for a second. Uh, another quarterback that I didn't mention, Aaron Rodgers, uh, basically Man. just based on his namesake. I think I would trade him straight up for Daniel Jones. I think you have to. Yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers is retiring next year, and I think you have to trade him for Daniel Jones. I, I think you're overstating his retirement risk, but it's looking really, really bad in Green Bay. Yeah. Trey, would you do that with me in our uh, <laughs> Superflex League that we're co-managing? We about Let, to offer this trade out let's there? Let's talk about that. Let's take that one offline. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, let's move on to my first uh, kind of takeaway from the Week 7 slate, and it's not just week seven. It's it's kind of the last five or six weeks. And I think it's time to search for an elite trade package in return for Damian Pierce. Now, don't get me wrong. The Texans running back, he has been very good. He's currently running back 12 overall. Uh, and that's with a bye week in there. Uh, I apologize. I don't have the point per game production in front of me. But he seems to have kind of a solid floor of like 15 PPR points with a pretty high ceiling uh, in that 25 to 30 point range in PPR. So what is to dislike here? Well, I think selling Damian Pierce high is a bet that most likely his career kind of shakes out in the wash like 90% of other day three running backs. And even if it doesn't, and, and Pierce proves to be the exception that he has been through seven weeks, I'm not advocating that you sell Damian Pierce for less than what he's currently worth on a ranking service like Keep Trade Cut. He's running back nine on keep trade cut, and that right now is more valuable in a super flex league than Garrett Wilson, than a mid-2023 first, than Michael Pittman. You can get Josh Jacobs and something on top for Damian Pierce. Josh Jacobs, he's only 24 years old, former first round pick, waltzing into 30-point production right now. Look, Damian Pierce, he just gives me James Robinson vibes, Marlon Mack, Elijah Mitchell, Michael Carter. These are all day three or later players who flashed running back one potential early on in their careers and then got replaced by their team because the team just kind of threw them away for a flashier option. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that this is going to happen with Damian Pierce. Like, it probably shouldn't. The Texans, they struck oil here in the fourth round with Damian Pierce, but I think you sell for a premium and insulated piece like one of those guys like Garrett Wilson, Michael Pittman, or one of the first round assets that I listed above. Yeah, I 100% agree. If you can get somebody like Garrett Wilson or Michael Pittman for it, uh, Pierce, then you absolutely should do that right now. Uh, you were right on the, the scoring, by the way. He's at 15.6 PPR points per game right now. So he is playing as an RB1. 
but for all the reasons you mentioned, like all of the history that we have, of like what happens to these day three picks, it's just exposing your team to way too much risk going into the off season. And you got to give yourself a chance to get better. Right. And, and that's why you buy a low on a Garrett Wilson, if you can, or Michael Pittman. And you just have that security in your um, roster going into next year. I actually just saw him go in one of my leagues. Uh, I think it was a 2024 first round pick. Is that not enough for you to cash out? I would do that. Yeah, I mean, you would do it. I, I think I would. I would. I would do it in a lot of situations, if only to kind of like then turn around and use that 2024 first to trade up into 2023 or get a Garrett Wilson on my team or something like that. But you know, I think if if I was offered a 2024 first and for my Damian Pierce, I would probably do like a little bit more work to try to get mm -hmm. something more commensurate with his value on keep trade cut. Agreed. But if I couldn't at the end of the day, like I, I think that's that's completely fine. That's that's an asset that's only going to grow in value. Right. And Pierce has a lot of downside in terms of the downward pressure on his value. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm with both of you guys here. Uh, you know, the Texans are not a good team and uh, like it, James Robinson, that comparison is probably the the one that hits home for me the most here because next year, I don't even think Mills is going to be there. Like, th there might be new coaching. Like, yeah. this, this team is going to have an overhaul, if not next year, probably the year after that, too. And I, I think this might be the highest at running back nine. Yeah, this might be the highest that he ever gets. So getting out right now is imperative. Yeah, and you might want to do it sooner rather than later as well, yeah. because let's not forget at Florida, he never really commanded much more than just a, a minority share of that offense. You know, he was never like the lead guy, right? So like if if you're thinking about like what's going to happen over the course of a, his first NFL season, this is the most workload he's had in the last, you know, several years since probably his high school days. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad we're all in agreement here. I mean, <laughs> let's not take anything away from what Damian Pierce is doing. And, you know, I, I think the big thing here is let's also just not assume rational coaching or rational front officing and say like, oh, there's no way that the Texans go and spend a second round pick on a Jameer Gibbs next offseason because they have Damian Pierce. Like we see it happen all the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you have an opportunity here to get out from an uninsulated asset and add an insulated asset. So do it. Is there any situation where you'd buy if you were contending? I don't think he's he's a particularly strong buy. Um, I think if you can sell him, if you can sell like, I don't know, maybe like a Dalvin Cook to get Damian Pierce in something back that could I could see that because Dalvin Cook's just on his way out in terms of the age curve um, and the production is relatively similar right now. But I don't think he's he. I, I just don't see at running back nine on keep trade cut Damian Pierce as a as a good as a good buy in any situation. Yeah, and we just mentioned a guy who is scoring more points for than him and is ranked lower on keep trade cut right now. I think Josh Jacobs is probably a stronger buy than Damian Pierce is right now. Oh yeah, yeah, love it. All right, Trey, uh, take us into our final segment uh, before halftime. All right, so DeAndre Hopkins uh, made his uh, first game back this weekend from his PED suspension, and it was a big game. He had 14 targets, 10 catches for 103 yards. That was huge volume in his first game back, 48% of the targets on Sunday. So 
I just want to remind people what DeAndre Hopkins did last year, the last time we saw him over a full season. In 2021, his target share was 20.5%, air yard share 29.6%, yards per route run 1.99, and expected fantasy points per game of 12.3. All of those stats, those were all between number 29 and number 35 in the NFL. So essentially like very strong wide receiver three territory. And he was bailed out last year by his 19% touchdown rate, which is way, way above average. So to me, he's a sell candidate. And this huge performance he just had yesterday opens up a great selling window for DeAndre Hopkins, who is now over 30 years old. So going into the rest of the season ranks, I think we should project him as a wide receiver three over the rest of the year, because that's what he showed us over the full season last year with like a very, very unsustainably high 19% touchdown rate. And if you can find somebody who, you know, likes the name brand recognition, values him anywhere close to a a top 12 wide receiver, then obviously make that trade and cash out on the 30 year old wide receiver. Right now, keep trade cut has him at wide receiver 37. I expect that to go up after what we just saw yesterday. That's currently valued at an early second round pick for next year. That's an smash trade for me. You could do D hop in a third for Tyler Lockett in a second. Lockett is roughly the same age and has higher expected fantasy points over the rest of the season. So he's you're crushing it. Arbitrage right there. You could also, uh, for your rebuilder, you could let go of D hop for uh, JK Dobbins. Who's, uh, you know, missing a couple games on the IR right now. Trey, I love that, man. I love both of those trades. I'm actually going to go probably send those two off in my, <laughs> in my leagues where I got That's D hop there, for, man. Yeah. But, I mean, this is what you were hoping for. This is the best case scenario here. Like, if you had him on your bench for six weeks during that suspension, you might have even fielded some offers here. I know I did. And, you know, you're you're obviously not going to trade him until he finally gets back and shows what, what he can do. And he shows up and balls. Yeah. So this is it. Here's your window. Now, um, what I would do, I, I would probably... I'd probably be looking for at least a second there. Yeah. And so, you know, straight up JKD. Yeah. Trey, I love that, man. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I'm like a little bit tantalized or tempted by this 48% target share in his first game back. Uh, yeah. With you Hollywood are. Brown on the shelf right now. Like I can't lie. Um, I'm not sure I agree with the take that we should be projecting him as a wide receiver three rest of season, at least for 2022. I think, I think he's got the chance to be a borderline top 12 receiver for the rest of season, which makes me think that buying for a second on your contending roster is not necessarily the the craziest idea. That doesn't mean that I that I disagree with both of you that you should be looking to sell DeAndre Hopkins high after this big performance. It just means that I I'm not ready to say that age 30 DeAndre Hopkins is completely washed and that we shouldn't buy into the one game sample size. Like I think there's a chance that he could be the 30% guy that we were seeing for a couple years beforehand. And that can be really valuable to your team if you're starting him in your flex. Well, you mentioned Hollywood and that's kind of the, the difference maker here. If Hollywood were out for the rest of the year or six games or something like that, I think that I would lean more towards the the Hopkins side instead of a two if I were a contender, because then I would know that I would get this production, hopefully going into the playoffs. 
But last year, the, the the stats that Trey brought up, you know, he was dealing with Christian Kirk and other players like, you know, rookie Rondale Moore. Mm-hmm. Now, like there are once Hollywood's back, like I, I, I just don't think that I'd be confident rolling him out in a playoff lineup. So sure, you're going to get four games of probably really good production. And I think that you have to sell at some point during this window. I, I just, even if you're contending, I, I don't like the idea of having him on my playoff team. Yeah, the only way this sell window could be higher is if he had have, uh, found the end zone a couple times. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't, you know, so you're maybe you can wait a week and and hope that, you know, you get some touchdown luck uh, uh, next week against uh, Minnesota. But I mean, that full season stat line from last year, that tells us what he was or what his role was in that Arizona offense. You know, you don't typically expect guys at age 30 to improve on that uh, prior year uh, performance, right? So while it's possible he could bounce back to a 30% target share season, which is what he did, you know, age 22 through 29, I wouldn't bet on it. I would bet that it's closer to that 20% he put up last year. Yeah, Tarek, this kind of reminds me of the conversation we had about Julio Jones going to Tampa Bay where, you know, you got the brand recognition, you're kind of tantalized by the idea that Tom Brady could, it's Tom fucking Brady, right? He'll unlock him. And, you know, the older these guys get, I I just, I don't think I can do it anymore. Julio Jones is three years older than DeAndre Hopkins. So, but I mean, I point taken, I, I think it's completely good advice to look to sell DeAndre Hopkins. I just, that sticking point of I think we should project him as a wide receiver three rest of season. Uh, I, I take a little bit of issue with that. But walking back on myself, Mitch, like the the argument you made about Hollywood coming back and your fear about having DeAndre Hopkins as an integral part of your playoff lineup, I think that's a good point as well. So, you know, I'm just trying to to play devil's advocate yeah. <laughs> here, but you know, y'all got me. We we found the mark. Yeah, you found the mark. Mic check. It is halftime. All right. So a little bit frustrating last week, three and one for the second week in a row. So we're just like we're nipping at the butt of a parlay. Uh, we're 16 and 12 overall for the season, which is good. Uh, but I, I feel like we're right there in hitting the parlay. So let's reset this week. Let's pick some game lines and let's win some money. Uh, and by let's, I mean me, because I'm the one placing the bet in Illinois, uh, you know, to cover our legal basis. <laughs> All right, Mitch, what is your pick against the spread? All right. I'm going with my home team, the Tennessee Titties, minus two and a half over the Texans in Houston because Houston is bad. They are one, four, and one. They are in last place in the AFC. They lost by 18 yesterday to the Raiders. And have lost by more than two and a half in all of their losses. The Titans are playing great defense. And, you know, after that monster day of Josh Jacobs, I believe another monster day is on the horizon for King Henry. So start Henry in your daily lineups, man. He's going to eat. And the Titans are going to win by at least three. Okay, well, hey, the Titans won by at least three last week, uh, which was part of our three and one finish. So... You know, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Another division game here. All right. My pick is going to be the Carolina Panthers plus six and a half at the Atlanta Falcons. All right. Two bad teams in division. 
One is coming off a very surprising win against the Buccaneers after shedding their fail son head coach, Matt Rule. I just think this Panthers Carolina game is or Carolina Atlanta game is a trash fire and I think it's a complete toss up. So I think just getting six and a half points there seems like good business. I don't think the Falcons are a good team. I think the Panthers defense is probably like the best unit in the game of the offenses and defenses. I mean, you could make an argument uh, for the Atlanta offense there based on EPA. But I think the Panthers defense is pretty good. And because of that, I'm thinking even if they lose, they probably keep it close. So give me the six and a half points in Atlanta uh, for Carolina. Tark. If you win this game, if you win this parlay, Tarek, you're going to buy yourself a Peach Walker jersey? No, I do not <laughs> think so. Uh, I own one NFL jersey, and it is CeeDee Lamb. Not so, going to be PJ uh, Walker, XFL, former XFL star. Yeah, Trey, what you got? All right, guys, it, it feels bad being the one uh, killing the parlay last week, so uh, I'm going to make up for it. I'm going to go back to uh, week one here, the Minnesota Vikings. They are three-and-a-half-point favorites uh, against Arizona. Minnesota is also coming off their bye week playing at home. And yeah, I mean, Arizona, they just won big against New Orleans, uh, thanks to those two defensive uh, uh, touchdowns, I believe. But I just think Minnesota is the better team on both sides of the ball. And minus three and a half uh, for a spread. I think this line should be closer to a touchdown than a field goal. So yeah, give me the Vikings at home. And our buddy John, who is not with us today, he has put in his pick. He wants the 49ers on the road one and a half point favorites against the LA Rams. So division game for our buddy, John there. He's our buddy. He's our pal. He's our buddy. I think is, is Sean McVay, is he Andy Reed esque coming off to the bye? Like, like he, he, he likes to win. The Rams were on a bye last week, right? Yeah, they were no Cooper cup. Yeah, they were. Um, So I I think I, I've been kind of like, that's, with the Titans last week, I said I trust well-coached teams coming off of a bye. Sean McVay, if he's like Andy Reid, who always wins out of a bye, I'm a little bit worried about this pick, but, you know, we'll see what happens. The Rams are we'll fucking see. frauds, man. That, yeah, I, yeah, they are trash. I don't like this line either way, but John has had a way with picking these close games, so I believe in you, bro. You're our buddy. Love it. Love <laughs> it. All right, let's hit this week. So we got Mitch... Titans minus two and a half at Texans. Uh, I got Panthers plus six and a half at Atlanta. And then Trey's got the Vikings at home minus three and a half uh, against the Cardinals. And John went with San Francisco 69ers one and a half point favorites in Los Angeles. All right, let's kick off this second half. Mitch, going back to you, second dynasty takeaway from week seven. Yeah, let's do it. So I wanted to talk about Seattle, McSee, the Seahawks. They've been a really pleasant surprise this year. Gino has been great to watch, but the real main event in Seattle is Kenneth Walker III, and I think it's a great time to cash out if you have him. Kenneth Walker is number four on Keep Trade Cut, guys. Man, we are we are the sell guys today. We're oh, just sell, sell, it's, sell. It's a fire sale. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> but look, like we said with Damian Pierce, he is not going to get any higher than this number four. And look, he's looked great, but let's not forget Penny was doing the exact same thing too. And I'm not saying that anybody could do it, but I am saying that the running game is alive and well in Seattle and 
Pete Carroll is sticking to it no matter who's at the head of this thing. So I don't know how long this party lasts until the wheels fall off in Seattle. I mean, I don't know how long Geno Smith is going to be able to keep this quarterback one thing going. But anyway, I'm looking to sell for two first round picks right now because you know, I think that this this price, I think that before last game, it was a, a first and a second. And I think this last game just pushed it into two firsts because, you know, a contender might actually find this enticing. Uh, he's viewed, at, and definitely by some, as a league winner, uh, me included. Um, and he's getting 73% of the workload. DJ Dallas is the backup running back. You know, he's not going to be losing work to him. Even in a rebuild, though, I'm selling. Because even though he's a 22-year-old running back, like, who's on the rise, who's a good player, he's an absolute afterthought in the receiving game, just like he was in college. And, you know, the situation currently favors him in his running style. But I don't think that he can be in the top five beyond this year. And on top of that, like, if your league mates view him as this league winner, um gearing up for their playoff run you know this is this is just it this is what we talk about on this show maximizing value uh 23 carries 168 yards and two touchdowns last week is your breakout so go get your two first yeah heard mitch on the if you can get two first i think i think that's a great price especially if they're in 2023 and i'll just echo what you said kind of since he took over uh after that rashad penny injury it's been zero targets three targets zero targets um so i think he he kind of looks like the comp i made in preseason he is tiny boned nick chubb mini like chubb he's a smaller version of nick chubb you know like he is an amazing runner and we knew that coming out of college he doesn't get work in the receiving game. And me saying that is almost me essentially saying you should, you know, hold or buy Kenneth Walker because Nick Chubb was obviously a great buy in the offseason because he's been killing it this year. But is Kenneth Walker going to continue to be so fucking absolutely elite as a runner that he's going to offset that lack of receiving usage? I think that's a risky bet. So... All that being said, I don't hate the the keep trade cut ranking. I mean, this is a 22-year-old top five producing running back at the moment. So I don't think you can hate the price. I also don't think you can hate selling him for the equivalent of two 2023 first. Trey, what do you think? Yeah, I'm 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 actually kind of leaning a little bit more to holding. Uh I I'm definitely not convinced that this is like the the pinnacle for uh Kenneth Walker. I think there's reason to believe that he could uh, be a weapon in the passing game. Like we've seen him in the preseason and limited action, like take screens and uh, wheel routes and, and do some damage with them in space. So it's not that he can't, you know, be a, a receiving weapon. It's just, we haven't really seen it in the college tape and, and through the first, you know, three games since he took over the starting role. So um, I don't know. It seems like it's a little bit quick to kind of write that off as like a viable aspect of his game. Yeah. Maybe, maybe so, maybe not. But I mean, at, at that price at two first, especially if they're mid 2023 first, I mean, obviously that's hard to turn down. Um, but I mean, this guy, his comp coming in was LaDainian Tomlinson. Like he was viewed by a lot of guys as a better runner than Brees Hall. There were just question marks about his, uh, his receiving ability. So 
you know, I, I'm having a hard time seeing the the big downside here. I, you know, I, I kind of like Kenneth Walker as a top five running back going into the offseason right now. And that point right there is exactly why you can make this sell happen, guys. Like, you know, there are people that definitely believe in him. And like I mentioned, like, why would I believe that he's good? I, I, I believe in him. And I, I was a naysayer in his like preseason evaluation. Like I am 100% walking that back. Like, you know, I've seen what I need to see. He, he looks really, really good. But again, I just don't think that he can maintain this high of a ranking uh, without the the passing work. And I think that this offense, you know, I, I don't think that they're as good as they are performing. And, you know, like they're, they're going to run into some difficulties. And yeah, let, let me ask, because we talked about Damian Pierce in the first half, uh, who's also playing really well right now. He's a fourth round pick versus Kenneth Walker, a second round pick. But we all said smash on like Garrett Wilson for Damian Pierce. So according to that logic, like uh, or the keep trade cut logic, Kenneth Walker is like significantly more valuable in the marketplace than a Garrett Wilson. Trey, Garrett Wilson or Kenneth Walker? Yeah, that's that's hard. That, that's that's tough. You got me there. Um, I mean, it part of this comes down to like your your strategy, like your team construction, which is what I think Mitch is getting at here, right? Like, is it really mm-hmm. that smart to have that much dynasty value tied up in a rookie running back? Like we see these injuries happen to Brees Hall, Javante Williams. Like, I get why you wouldn't want to, you know, tie up so much of your value into somebody who is, you know, a a, a blade of grass away from tearing their ACL, <laughs> right? So it's uh, I don't know. I, I guess Kenneth Walker by a margin at this point. Okay. So if you can get like something pretty decent on top of Garrett Wilson back, then you might do it. I mean, for sure. I would do Wilson in a second for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, Trey and I, we are co-managing a rebuilding team in which we have Kenneth Walker a week ago. We kind of had a little bit of a, you know, Hey, what are we doing with our rebuilder that has Kenneth Walker? And we're like, hold, let's hold for now. We got another week here. I mean, maybe it's time for us to start exploring. Can we get Garrett Wilson in a second? Um, But we'll take that offline, Trey. (laughs) All right. uh, Let's move into my second takeaway from week seven. And I'm going to make a very confusing, circuitous argument that Brandon Ayuk, his recent reemergence is reason enough for you to go pay market value for Elijah Moore. What the fuck did I just say? Brandon Ayuk, he's playing really well. That means go buy Elijah Moore. All right, Brandon Ayuk just wrapped up his second nice performance in as many weeks. In week seven, 11 targets, seven receptions, 82 yards. And that was after a two touchdown performance last week on 11 targets. This brings him up to the year about a 22% target share. And, you know, we talked about Christian McCaffrey. He'll probably take some targets away in the overall offense. I think in terms of how the offense run, that might affect Debo more than Ayuk. Ayuk plays X receiver. He gets targeted in a different area of the field than CMC likely likely will. But quick pivot, what does this have to do with Elijah Moore? Well, I think they're very similar players. They're both high draft capital. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, a first round pick in 2020. Elijah Moore, high second round pick in 2021. Both of them were absolute reception perception rock stars in their rookie years, and they hit benchmarks as rookies 
that indicate a strong likelihood of future success. So with the target share, with the kind of the yardage thresholds they hit, do a historical analysis there, pretty good bet for both of them. They both play X receiver on what I think are imperfect passing offenses. And it was Ayuk's rookie year that made him one of my reputation players going into 2021. And Elijah Moore was a reputation player for me this year for similar reasons, right? So the connection I'm making is largely insular. It's largely about these are both players, both really good wide receivers that were my reputation players. But similarly, you know, their sophomore campaign has been disappointing relative to expectations. This is both because of the numbers they've turned in with other studs in their receiving core, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis was playing pretty well before he got hurt last week. Also, because a bit of, you know, their disappointment, part of it is turbulence with the team. Ayuk started out in 2021 in Shanahan's doghouse, whereas Elijah Moore, he recently requested a trade due to, you know, his own frustration with his lack of usage in that offense. So Elijah Moore, he's kind of in the dumps value-wise, wide receiver 41 on keep trade cut. He's hanging out down there with Romeo fucking Dobbs, Oof. a late 2023 second. Meanwhile, Brandon Ayuk in the last month, he's climbed about 10 spots in the receiver ranks as he's found his footing in the last few weeks. Elijah Moore, he's back with the team this week. He's expected to suit up in week eight. I think this is the time to buy and bet on his talent emerging on the other side of this turbulence. And at the very least, if you're not a believer in his talent or the safety of his floor, trust me in saying that I promise you will find an ample sell opportunity to get more than what you pay for him right now in Elijah Moore. Mm, yeah, Tarek, I, I like what you're saying. And honestly, if if Brees didn't go down last week, I might not be as on board as I am because I think that Zach Wilson is going to have to pass the ball and he's going to have to do it a lot more than than he was because the Jets were just playing good defense and running. You know, now he's got Michael Carter and it's going to be similar to last year where he's going to have to start airing it out and playing to his player strengths. And, and I don't know how serious the injury is to Corey Davis, but I'm, that should propel Eli to get more catches as well. So hopefully he climbs his way out of that doghouse. He's he's tough. If you have Eli, you got to you got to hold. But I, I like what you're saying here, man. This is the buy window. Yeah, and the when we were talking about this earlier today, I kind of took issue with Ayuk uh, being established uh, at this point. I know he's had two weeks yeah. in a row now with 11 targets, but up until uh, through week five, he was basically you know, not a top uh, wide receiver four in the NFL. Um, so it's good seeing him kind of hit his stride here. I, I think the talent is going to bear out. Um I mentioned earlier, I'm a little bit worried about too many mouths to feed in San Francisco, but this is an Elijah Moore conversation. And um, yeah, I mean, there's a, obviously a lot of uncertainty now with the, the trade rumors, the the frustration, um, you know, the, the usage has been, it could not get any worse uh, through the first half of the year. So I think Elijah Moore is more talented than what's happened. I think you're, this is just a bet on talent. So ultimately I agree with you. And if you're getting him for the price of a late second, then yeah, I mean, why not? That's It should only increase in value between this time next year. Yeah, Romeo Dubes kind of blew me away. I mean, yeah. 
Elijah Moore deserves to have tumbled down keep trade cut a little bit with, you know, the absolutely dismal target share through the first handful of weeks and because of his frustrations with the team. But Romeo Dubes, man, bitch. <laughs> Dubes. <laughs> he's not I think good. he's like a bottom five. I think he's a bottom five receiver right now in yards per out run. Like Romeo he's, Dubes. He's not good. He's not good. He, he ain't it. So, you know, yeah. I will say that it's not just the boys at TLG that are Elijah Moore fans. Tarek and I were just able to trade Elijah Moore uh, in a larger package for Sutton. So there is, there, there are other people out there. I think that, you know, his value has been uh, kind of up and down on and all over the place. But Eli's got some truthers out there, so go get him. He's got some truthers because he's the truth. Uh, so I think Trey's point is well taken in terms of like the comp I was making with Brandon Ayuk. Like Brandon Ayuk's usage is not elite. So if I'm going to make the comp to Elijah Moore, I need to kind of bite the bullet on the usage might not be fully elite. But the the comp also says Brandon Ayuk has climbed significantly in value over the last month as he's demonstrated his talent. And I believe that Elijah Moore, the how old is he? 22, 23. He's got plenty of opportunities to demonstrate his talent and for that value to creep back up because of all the people who believe in that talent, like Mitch is saying. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just it's it's a dip. And I think he's hit the bottom at this point. So is there anybody else you would trade Ayuk for? Because there is a team that I have both Eli and Ayuk. And I don't know, I'm trying to. Would I trade Brandon Ayuk away? I recently posted Brandon Ayuk. I have him everywhere. I posted mm-hmm. him on on the trade block, and I was asking for two seconds, and then I took that down. Uh, I took <laughs> away like I, I I think I want more than two seconds for Brandon Ayuk at this point. So uh, it's hard to say. I, I'll, I'd have to like think about it. Uh, maybe I'll send a tweet out about it. But I, Brandon Ayuk at wide receiver twenty nine and keep trade cut. I would buy at cost as well. So. Yeah, for the and the reason I was asking is just because I feel like Ayuk is kind of a hold for me right now i think yeah. that he'll oh, get big hold he'll get his soon so all right trey close this out all right guys let's uh close it out with naji harris uh on the pittsburgh steelers uh so going into the off season i had naji as a top five running back and i had him in the same tier as uh, deandre swift and javante williams and cmc um, I think most of the market was pretty much in line with that as well. Mm-hmm. And we knew he was inefficient as a rookie, but he had elite volume and we expected that that would continue to prop up his value going into his uh, sophomore season. But over the last two months, his value has dropped from keep trade cut running back two down to running back 14. He's currently going behind guys like Josh Jacobs and an injured uh, Pookie Williams. So uh, what happened to Najee Harris? Well, Obviously, the Pittsburgh Steelers are just not competitive this year. Uh, They've been mixing in Jalen Warren uh, to give Najee a break. I mean, there's just no point in continuing to run your star running back into a brick wall when you're, you know, not winning games. And because of that, like his volume has dropped off considerably. He went from number one in snap share uh, down to uh, number 10 in the NFL, 85% to 66% of snaps. His route participation also dropped off. Uh, from 64% to 40%. And while the usage has dropped off, the efficiency has stayed about the same. Like he's he was not really super efficient last year. He's continuing to stay in that outside the top 
um, 40 top 50 running backs and fantasy points per opportunity. So I'm, I'm starting to really uh, kind of see the writing on the wall here with Najee Harris. Like when he was a rookie prospect, we talked about him as the next Matt Forte, right? Like an elite pass catching workhorse running back, but he's looking a lot more like the next David Montgomery to me. Like Monty is also a guy who's never cracked the top 24 in fantasy points per opportunity. His best year was back in 2020 at uh, 0.84 points per opportunity. That was number 32 in the NFL, right? So he was never like an elite efficiency guy. Najee Harris has not come close to that level over the first year and a half of his career. So I would not advise going out and buying the dip on Najee Harris. I think it is current value. He's a hold for me. But if you're going to make me uh, choose one way or the other, then I would be selling. And right now you could uh, flip Najee Harris on keep trade cut for Garrett Wilson straight up. I would definitely do that. I would also do Najee in a second for one of these uh, rookies like Alave or Drake London and a third and and just try to get um, you know a part of those uh, rookie wide receivers who I believe are just actually going to be difference makers down the road. You know, you mentioned a guy who he's right next to, and that's Javante Williams. I think that's the perfect pivot right there. You might even be able to get something back in addition to Javante if you traded Najee. And a guy I just talked about, uh, Kenneth Walker, I think that you might be able to do Najee for Kenneth uh, just for the namesake there. So, Well, according to Keep Trade Cut, you would have yeah, to add but... to Najee Harris to get that done. But uh, mm-hmm. I would definitely rather have Kenneth Walker going forward because he is showing elite efficiency and difference-making ability on the field. Yeah, so, you know, I think it, and I don't want this to sound like some kind of victory lap or anything, <laughs> but my evaluation of Najee Harris post rookie year was yes, elite volume, terrible efficiency. And because of that, and because I think some of his efficiency metrics hinted at the fact that he's probably not like an elite running talent, I thought, okay, I will move him up close to that tier one, but I'm not going to break him past guys like Austin Eckler guys like obviously uh, DeAndre Swift, but even guys like Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon, who I know are like very, very good running back talents. So this should be part of a larger conversation in terms of like how we weight efficiency metrics in our evaluations of running backs, both in college and as they get into the NFL. I think it's it's a conversation worth having, right? But like, I, I don't know. I, I think it just bears kind of reflecting a little bit on why did we think Najee Harris was an elite option? And if it's only based on volume, does that mean that our baseline evaluation needs to change a little bit? Well, I think we're forgetting an important thing that he did last year, which was catch the ball a lot and he was yeah. targeted a lot. And that's just not happening this year. So yeah, Big Ben, right? Right. And so with that part missing from his game, you know, he's certainly not as valuable, but we know that he's capable of that as well. So, and straight up. So if he's not doing it, uh, it's a problem and that might make it attractive to uh, a rebuilder. But I agree with you, Trey. I, I don't think that I'd be buying the dip if I'm a rebuilder because I'd be just kind of scared. I'd be buying a, a bad player on an already bad team. Yeah. The bad team being my rebuilder, of course. Yeah, and my point is it's not just the lack of uh, you know receiving game usage, even though his rap partici- participation has dropped off a ton. 
I mean, it's just the fact that they're just not using him as much because what's the point in, you know, continuing to run him against, uh, you know, a brick wall when you can't make any like openings on the offensive line. So, um, and he can't make any openings for himself. Uh, right. Right. Exactly. It's part of part, part of my point is like, it's not just about the offensive line. I mean, you know, a lot of those advanced efficiency metrics that we rely on, at least for prospecting, comes from uh, Noah Hills at Noah More Parties on Twitter. And he is actually a big believer in Najee Harris when adjusting for offensive line production. So, you know, there's some advanced efficiency metrics like yards over expectation, et cetera, that Najee does not perform really well in. But I think we're all in agreement here. Like if 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 you're leaning one way or the other on Najee, it's probably sell because like I said last week and like Trey reiterated, kind of looking more like David Montgomery. <laughs> but I think it's an opportunity for us moving forward. This is another kind of like instance in which, okay, is this next college prospect that we see coming in, is he, are we worried about his efficiency and like, even if he's going to profile to get a lot of volume, how should that affect kind of our valuation of him as a dynasty asset? Yeah. And I don't have the answer to that right now, but I think, I think it's a conversation kind of worth referencing and having in the future. And I don't think we should change our process too, too much just because of what happened with one prospect. And like by all accounts, like he already gave you a top 10 uh, fantasy season, right? So like, you can already cash out and call that draft pick a win at this point. Um, Even though it was, you know, you were bailed out by volume more so than efficiency here, but yeah, your, your off season uh, evaluation, having him behind Eckler behind Dalvin cook. um, I wasn't in agreement with you on that. And I'm, I'm definitely in agreement with you now. Yeah. Once we throw somebody in the Montgomery category, there's no going back. So another guy you could go get (laughs) Brees Hall, go get him. Najee Harris. Yeah. I mean, with the injury discount, it could be possible. We'll have to see yeah, maybe. where that bottom, that bottom shakes out for Brees Hall. I, I want to call out one more time before we close out here. Garrett Wilson. He has come up like four times in this episode as somebody that is a potential buy here. I think because of, you know, his decaying numbers a little bit, his value has decayed a little bit too. And I talked about Elijah Moore earlier. I mean, yeah, I'm buying Elijah Moore, but I'm also buying Garrett Wilson. Like these are just these are just talented players that bet on talent. And right now, Garrett Wilson's like wide receiver 18 on keep trade cut. He's more like a borderline wide receiver one. So go get him. Yeah, Drake London too. Same same thing. Yeah, I, I've got a Lave in London, uh, kind of like at the top of the class right now. I think Wilson right behind him, but Wilson's sitting at 1.85 yards per out run, and that should improve to over two in the second half of the season. So, yeah, I'm I'm betting on the talent there as well. All right, well, that does it uh, for episode 73 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast. Uh, we hope everybody enjoys Patriots Bears tonight. What a fucking absolutely tantalizing matchup. Who, who you got, boys? You got the Patriots. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Pats. Pats by a million. I'm yeah. taking Patriots, the Bears. Patriots are winning that game. I'm taking the Bears. You're throwing your money away. Later, y'all. See you guys. Peace. No, I ain't